going to be looking at today. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's a key word that we're going to be looking at, rest, today. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. Very key word, I mean very key verse to understanding what rest we're talking about. You know, there's a lot of rest, people... Uh, unrest there's, uh, among people, a lot of things on people's minds, a lot of frustration, a lot of uh, dealing with things that, uh, that people uh, go through during the day and they can't get rest at night. Uh, they can't get that physical rest that they would like or that emotional rest. Well, this may come from what we're going to talk about, but the rest that he's talking about, you can't really have a complete rest in, with anything without coming to that rest with your soul first and so this is what we're going to be talking about today for my yoke is easy and my load is light and then we'll go ahead and read verses 1 through 8 even though next Sunday we'll be talking about that at that time Jesus went on the Sabbath through the grain fields and his disciples began or became hungry and began to pick the heads of grain and eat and when the Pharisees saw it saw it they said to him behold your disciples do what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. But he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he became hungry and his, uh, and his companions? How he entered the house of God, the temple, and they are tabernacle, and they ate the uh, consecrated bread, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those with him, but for the priest only? Or did you not read the law? that on the Sabbath the priest and the temple break the Sabbath and are innocent. But I say to you that something is greater than the temple that is here. And who, what is that something? Of course, it's Jesus. But if you had known what this means, I desire compassion and not a sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Who did they condemn? They condemned the Lord, didn't they? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I just want to thank you for this day. I want to thank you for your love and your grace. And God, I just pray that, that by your grace we will experience your presence in a very unique and special way. That you will deal with our hearts, our minds, our souls the way that you so desire, that we will not resist it in the least. And God, that you will speak to us in such a powerful way that we will uh, not withhold the decision that you would have us to make today in any way, that we'll be obedient and yield to you and your will, and that we will find the, uh, the freedom and the joy that you have for us, the peace and the excitement that we need for our, our walk with you. And so... Uh, and our relationship to you. And so I just pray that you'll open this up to our minds, our eyes, our hearts today. For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In chapter 11, Jesus speaks of rest and how to acquire it. But rest that Jesus speaks of is a little bit different than the rest I mentioned earlier. Although that rest may come with the soul in coming to know the Lord and does but he is primarily talking about the rest with the soul here 
And so in verse 29, that helps us understand it. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. In other words, as I was growing up, I remember a dream that I would have consistently. And that dream would be, I guess because I watched Tarzan movies so much, but that dream would be I would be flying through the air on one of these vines and the vine would break. And I would fall over the cliff and fall and fall and I was so fretful about it that I'd wake up right before I hit the ground. They said if I hit the ground I would have died in my sleep. I don't know, but you know, uh, you know these stories. But uh, it, it was fearful. And it was kind of scary and it led up to the night that my my aunt and my uncle came over and they were in the back bedroom in our bedroom and, and they were talking and they must have gone to a, a, a meeting, a, a preaching meeting and that's when they had revivals, you know, tent meetings and, and so they were in there and they were talking about the end times and they were talking about how it'd be and how awful it'd be and then they started talking about eternity. It scared me, it scared me tremendously. Of course, mom tried to calm me down. And it uh, caused some nights re being very rest, uh, uh, restless. And so it wasn't until I was 18 years of age that that event in my life that, uh, that led the ultimate, uh, me to the ultimate point of, of realizing that, hey, there's got to be something that gives me peace. There's got to be something more in life. And if I keep on going down this, this route, this, this road, then I'm going to end up for all eternity what my uncle and aunt talked about and what these preachers have talked about in hell. Separated from God in torment forever. I said, there's got to be something better than that. And so I woke up that Sunday morning and the, I, I I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, it was the Lord leading me to that church. I didn't know where I was going, what church I was going to. And I stopped there, and the men led me down front where I could really listen, not up in the balcony where I'd be talking back and forth with young people. A lot of times what goes on, unfortunately. But led me down front next to some nice little ladies that helped me understand the the singing of the songs, the message that came from the hymns, and the message I listened to that was preached to me. The Holy Spirit dealt. It was like the preacher speaking right to me right there. And I was convicted. And I trusted the Lord that day. And it gave me an inner peace, a peace of the soul. And this is what Jesus is talking about here. The Pharisees have been teaching a lot of things and they've been uh, having the people just adding uh, rules and regulations and technicalities to the, the laws more and more and more because they were, and we'll talk about this a little bit next week, but they were trying to protect themselves and they'd say, okay, we can't do this on the Sabbath, we can't do that on the Sabbath, we can't do this on the Sabbath, and they thought by doing this and keeping those that it would protect them, but what it was doing, it was, it was creating outward walls where they were having to uh, add more and more laws. And it became a burden. They, the people could not uh, you know, take care of all these rules and regulations that they were adding to. And so 
uh, to, the, to the original law that, that God had given them. So the passage in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through chapter 12, verse 8, uh, deals primarily with the rest that, that Christ has for us today. We need to remember, and this is what I was going to talk about earlier, the reason that I'm bringing in chapter 12, we need to remember that chapters and verses were not in the original Bible. So that means that the chapters and verses are not inerrant and infallible. Matter of fact, they were put in some 15 centuries later in the 1550s and 1552 by a Robert Ischen. And uh, he was a, a, a scholar and a printer. And they were put in there as numbers and divisions to help people understand the preacher better because when Matthew wrote this he wrote one long book there were no chapters and verses uh, you know in there it's just one long book I mean if you go over to Ephesians you can read I believe it's it begins with verse 3 and read through verse 14 that's one long sentence now Paul would have flunked English it's a run-on sentence it just goes on and on and on but this is what they did and so what this printer and others did during the Reformation to help the, the common person understand better that didn't have all the helps and everything else that the, uh, the preachers did is to put in these divisions to help us kind of with the thought pattern to go along. And so uh, they're in there, to, you know, they're good and they're fine, but they're in there uh, and this doesn't mean that this rest and this topic stops uh, from verses 28 through 30 it means that it continues on and he talks about it further in illustration with this story about uh, him and the disciples walking through uh, the uh, wheat fields and picking uh, the wheat on the Sabbath and eating because the Sabbath talks about rest doesn't it in the Old Testament and we'll talk about that next week so so uh, one of the best illustrations of this is in in Romans if you uh, look over in Romans chapter uh, 5 verse 1, there's a therefore mentioned. In Romans 8 verse 1, there's a therefore mentioned. In, in uh, Romans 12 verse 1, there's a therefore information. And there, those therefores are there not to create a, a, a brand new chapter with a brand new theme, but you have to go back to look at, at chapter 4 for verse 5, or chapter, for chapter 5, verse uh, 7 for chapter 8, and verse 11 for chapter 12 to get it put into the proper context. So you'll find a chapter division between Matthew 11.30 and Matthew 12, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the topic changes. So when you read from uh, verses 1 through 8 where Jesus hit up the Pharisees about the Sabbath, you might think, well, this is talking just purely about Sabbath, but the Sabbath deals with rest, and it goes back to these verses. So in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, you're uh, actually into what will take place in chapter 12. And as I mentioned earlier, chapter 27, or verse 27 of chapter 11 is that pivotal point from what happened before and now what's going to happen. So let's look at, first of all, the invitation to rest. It's so very important to, uh, to realize and understand the first major point that we're going to look at at this invitation to rest in, in uh, chapter 11 verse 28, is the person issuing the rest. 
if you're going to understand this and if you're going to understand the rest, then you've got to understand, first of all, the foundation of it all, and that is the person issuing the rest. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, we have one of the sweetest invitations that you'll ever read in the Bible, anywhere. It's an invitation by Jesus, and it's a gospel invitation. Now look at this. This is why it's so important to look at the person issuing the rest. Who is Jesus? He says, come to me. Also, who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle. And humble in heart. And you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my load is light. It is Jesus' invitation. It is not the Pharisees' invitation. It is not some invitation by the Roman emperors or emperor. It is not any other religious leader's invitation. It is Jesus' invitation and His alone. This invitation that Jesus offers involves rest. He invites the sinners like I am and like you are who are frail and, 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 and fragile and beaten down. Why? Because of this sin, this load of sin that we carry upon us. Man tries so hard to relieve this load by doing good works, by creating his own religion, by doing this or doing that and pleasing others, by joining churches, by joining denominations, by going through the baptismal pool, whatever it might be, and thinking that will get them to heaven. That will get, give them the rest, but it's not that. It is coming to Jesus with this load you see all who are weary and heavy laden to come he promises that he will give us rest now who does that promise come from it comes from the very God that we worship God the Son now let me ask you does God make mistakes no he's the creator of the world He's perfect in every way. Does God go back on his promises? No. His word is true and we can trust in it. So when he offers us this invitation, when he gives us this promise, it's assured. Now look at the word rest. One of the sweetest words, uh, you know, in, in the uh, uh, vocabulary, human vocabulary today. We use it in more than one way. Uh, as a noun, this is rest. This is rest. We use it as a participle. He is resting. And we use it as a verb. The baby is resting in his mother's arms. Rest can include and does include satisfaction. Rest can involve and does involve peace. Rest 
also involves trust. So rest is like a baby resting in his mother's arms. There is safety and there is peace. There is satisfaction that is brought about by trust. Which leads us to the second part. Second point, sub-point, whatever you want to call it. And that is the recipients for this rest. It's very important. It says, come unto me, Jews. It says, come unto me, you that are here. It says, come unto me, you that I have pulled apart to talk to. No, it says, come unto me all, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus is telling the Pharisees who were standing by, he, he said, you know, your rabbinic religion and, and all other religions based on works that uh, exist, are, is, they are too, too heavy a load because they burden you down. Man burdens man down with all his restrictions to come. He says burdensome are the religious systems with their rites, their ceremonies, their sacraments, their sacrifices, and their regulations. Those burdens are too heavy for you to bear and to remove. By trying to take care of those burdens, you only cre create more for yourselves and also for others. And that's what they did. Protect us with these regulations. Don't go this. Don't do this. Don't lift this. Don't, don't say this. Don't, don't get involved in this on the Sabbath. Well, that means that if we don't do that, then that, that involves other things that could happen. So you make a wider circle. And then you start making a wider circle. It says, it's too great. You're putting too big a burden on man. And Paul tells us that uh, we're all sinners in need of salvation. Just like Jesus is telling us all that by all of us coming with our heavy burdens. Paul tells us that in Romans, he says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In other words, God created us in a perfect state. But we fell from that state when man sinned. And we have continued to fall from that state. In other words, all of us are sinners by nature and by choice. And so he, he goes on though and he talks about this in Romans. He says there is no partiality with God. For all who have sinned without the law, Gentiles, all, will also perish without the law. I mean, it, you know, there's no excuse. Everyone has that, that opportunity, if you will, to be saved. You say, well, what about so-and-so over in a remote part of Africa that maybe has never heard before? Well, they're more likely to hear today, but even back then, I guarantee you, let's just take it into perspective. Here is a native over in Africa. And the tribe. And they began to start thinking, well, you know, how did we come about? 
And they say, hmm, maybe we need to carve an image of some creator who has created us. And so they carve this image and they say, huh, this doesn't satisfy us completely. There is more to that. Who could this be? I guarantee you, as man, heart, and eyes are open and seeking, God will open and allow them to seek more, and he will send someone with the message. Because our God is a God who loves us and cares for us. So all of us Gentiles, all of us, we're without excuse. We can't say, well, you know, we didn't have the law like, like Israel, the Jewish people, the chosen people did. Well, it doesn't matter. And then he says, uh, in, in uh, this, the same passage, he says, For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. Oh, they have had more light given to them. We talked about that, and so it will be harsher for them. Because they have had that light before them if they reject it and they don't accept it. And he says uh, in, in Romans chapter 3 verses 19 through 20, he says all the world may become accountable to God. We will one day. Because by the works of the law no flesh will be justified in his sight. We can't justify ourselves. It doesn't matter what works we do. We'll always fall short. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. And the more we seek it out, the more we'll see. For all have fallen short of the glory of God. So the, per the burden is too great to care for by man. We just can't do it. It's too heavy. So Jesus, what did he do? As sung earlier by Irene, he knew this. He knew that it would be too great for us. And he loved us for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have what? Everlasting life. God so loved the world. Isn't that great? In our sin, we have caused a division between us and God, but God did not give up on us. He so loved the world that he said, I love you. You are sinners but I want you to be saved and I know that you cannot be saved on your own so I am sending my son God the son to die on the cross to bear your sins he who knew no sin what became sin for us so that we could become what the righteousness of God only in Christ Jesus that means we got to come to him We've got to trust him. He loved us that much. Now, people, I'm just going to pause for a moment. That's awesome, isn't it? Yeah. Amen. In, in Ephesians, Paul tells us, he said, Therefore, remember you, the Gentiles in the flesh, are called the uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is Jews, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at time... Passed separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. In other words, you were not included in, in, in uh, uh, that. You had to come through uh, the, the ritual of, of becoming a, a uh, proselyte type Jew. And so he said, 
Remember that you were separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, stranger to the covenants of promise, having no hope. Oh man, we were without hope, without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by what? By the blood, the blood of Jesus, the perfect sacrifice. For he himself is our peace who has made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances we couldn't keep that in himself he might make the two into one new man thus establishing what? Peace! Rest in him. So Jesus speaks of himself as the rest the one that relieves us of our burdens of sin and brings peace to us. The way into rest, we, we've got to listen a lot faster, okay, to finish this part up. Jesus is demonstrating his uh, mediatorial role. In other words, he's our mediator. He's the one that we go through to get to God. He is God the Son, who is the Savior of the world, who has come. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and uh, I am the life. And no man comes to the Father except how? By him, through him. This is speaking of his role as Savior and Lord. It's an invitation by him for sinners to come to him. It's an invitation to redemption. It's an invitation to justification. Saving faith is pictured as resting in Christ. We come to Christ, how? By grace, through faith. That not of yourselves is a gift of God. Not of works, lest what? We should boast. We come to Christ by grace through faith. If we come boasting about this rest, we've done it, then what would happen? It wouldn't be secure because we'd be building those outer walls and having always to try and please God, and it would never be permanent. It would never be eternal. You see, how can we have this rest in Christ? Because He is always faithful, as I said earlier, to His promises. And because of his work on our behalf, it was finished. He did it. We couldn't do it. He took care of it. And we can rest in him because he loses none of us. Isn't that great? He says we're in the Father's hands. And the old devil comes. He starts accusing us. He says, oh, look at that sinner. He's been saved. Jesus steps up. He says, he'd been saved by the blood of the Lamb. He says, oh, but I want that sinner. He's a sinner. He says, he's a sinner saved by grace. The only way you're going to get that sinner is to come through the blood. And to come through the blood, you've got to get saved. And to get saved, then you don't want that sinner because you'll be a sinner saved by grace. And Satan, you can't do that because you're a fallen angel. Wow. Because we are his sheep. The promise, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. What does it mean to come to Christ? Weary and heavy laden. 
What would it mean to receive his rest? It means to learn from him. You see, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. It doesn't matter whether it's coming to him for salvation or coming to him as a believer for peace as we journey with him in our Christian walk. We come by faith. It's impossible to please God without faith, it tells us. Why? Because we're trusting in him. And he wants us to trust in him. And once we stop trusting in him and start getting fretful and start working out things and start worrying over this and worrying over that and seeing what we're going to do, whether it's finances, whether, whether it's a health, whether it's whatever, or we may even doubt our salvation and, and the old devil comes and, and causes us to doubt our salvation, whatever it might be, we got to go back in faith. we got to trust him and his grace. It's not us. And we do that as we humble ourselves before the Lord. That's what he's talking about here. You see, the rest of the Sabbath, and we'll talk about more about that next week, but the rest of the Sabbath is God worked six days in creating creation, right? And what did he do on the seventh day? He rested. Now, was he tired? Is that why he rested? No, God doesn't ever get tired. He rested because what he did was he looked at his creation and he said, well done. Everything was done the way that it should have been done. It was complete. And so that's what he's talking about when he, and we're going to be relating Sabbath to and rest next week is God uses the Sabbath to let us know and to illustrate to us just as creation was made complete and it was done we can rest in God because his salvation is made complete and taken care of and accomplished and done lacking nothing in Jesus Christ amen isn't that wonderful and all God's people said amen Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, 